Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. So today we're going to be discussing the topic of domestic violence. So about a week ago, I think it was, then I put up a hadith on my Facebook page that, alhamdulillah, a brother named Justin Parrott, he has a blog called Abu Amina Ilias. Uh, I'll put a link, inshallah, in the show notes when you read the description. But he shared this blog post with me, and so when I was reading it, I also noticed, because the conversation was actually about polygamy, but when I was reading his blog post, I also noticed his hadith specifically about domestic violence, and so I wanted to isolate it and be able to at least start a conversation about it. So first and foremost, I do want to just read the hadith itself. So the hadith, and let me make it clear that when I'm talking about domestic violence in this podcast, I am specifically talking about domestic violence by men towards women. And that's for two reasons. One, because it's more common that men physically abuse women, um, as well as it being more dangerous. And two, because in Islam, it's very easy for a man to get a divorce. There are some ways that it can be easy for a woman too, but it's just a bit more straightforward. So if a woman was to hit her husband, it'd be very easy for her for him to leave that relationship. So there's less complications there. Um, though they may suffer from some of the same issues that we'll talk about later as to why a woman doesn't leave. So while, yes, that is, it's a problem either way, no matter who is hitting who, we are particularly talking about men who hit their wives. So the hadith is, Bismillah Habiba bint Sahal reported, she was the wife of Thabit ibn, ibn Qas, I think it's pronounced, and in the morning, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, left his house and found her at his door. The Prophet وسلم, said, Who is this? She said, I am Habiba bint, bint Sahal. The Prophet, excuse me, Habiba bint Sahal. The Prophet said, What is the matter? She said, Thabit and I can no longer be married. Thabit came and the Prophet said to him, This is Habiba and she has mentioned whatever Allah has willed her to mention. She said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, I have everything he has given me. The Prophet ﷺ said, Take what she owes you. Thabit took what was owed from her, and she returned to her family. In another narration, it said that Thabit has struck her. So let me read the other narration that makes it more clear that that is the case. Um, inshallah ta'ala, I hope I can find it quickly. Okay. Yahya ibn Sa'id reported, Habiba bin Sahal was the wife of Thabit ibn Qas, and it was mentioned to the Messenger of Allah that they were married and she was his neighbor. Thabit had struck her, so she appeared at the door of the Prophet and said, Thabit and I can no longer be married. Then the Prophet said to Thabit, take what she owes you and let her go. So in this hadith, we see very clearly that a woman experienced domestic violence, and we don't know the extent of it, right? It seems, just from the hadith, that it was one blow, whatever it was, a punch, a hit, a slap, whatever it was, 
and that she immediately decided to seek a divorce. It may not be the case. That may not be the case. It may not have been so straightforward, but that is how it appears in the Hadith. Um, but what is clear is that there was some harm of some kind, some kind of physical harm from her husband to her, Habiba bin Sahal, and then she sought a divorce, and that the Prophet allowed her to be divorced from her husband without any complication from the Hadith. That's what it, that's what appears to be the case. So the first thing I want to say is that women have the right to leave an abusive husband. That has to be made very clear. And we really have to, as Muslims, be able to realize that this religion is not meant to oppress anyone. No one is supposed to be oppressed in this religion. So even while men may have the upper hand in some things, women may have the upper hand in some things, no one is meant to be oppressed by this religion. So if you're in a marriage, even though by design it's a bit more difficult for women to get a divorce than men, if a woman, whatever the case is, there was another case, and unfortunately I don't have it with me in front of me, but inshallah ta'ala I will find it and link it in the description. There was another really famous case of a woman who didn't want to be with her husband. It wasn't explicitly known why, but um, they were both slaves, and then she was freed, and she no longer wanted to be with him. And the man was begging her to stay with him. He really wanted to remain with his wife, but she didn't want to be with him. And so the Prophet ﷺ actually interceded on his behalf and said, you know, why something like, why don't you want to make it work with your husband? Can't you make it work? Something like that. And she asked, which is such a beautiful line, so many beautiful things we can take from it. But she asked, are you commanding me to remain married to my husband? Almost as if to say, if you're commanding me, if I have to, I will listen to you. I will listen to the messenger of God. But if you're not commanding me, my choice is that I do not want to be with this man. And the Prophet said, no, I'm not commanding you. And she said, I don't want to be with him. And we don't know, at least from my reading and any time I've heard that Hadith explained, I've never heard anyone say why she didn't want to be with him. So we don't know. Was there abuse or was there just a loss of love or something else? We don't know. But she made it very clear she didn't want to be with him. And the Prophet ﷺ, even though he felt bad for the man and interceded on his behalf, did not force her and did not make it difficult for her to get a divorce. So I don't personally have countless examples of women going to seek divorce and the outcome, but I think that both of these hadith give us a strong, um, a strong idea of how the Prophet ﷺ handled these cases in general. And Allahu alam. Um, what we see in both cases are women who make it very clear they do not want to be with their husband. So I think it's it's just important to say a woman women have the right to leave an abusive husband. And um, I remember one of my shayuk saying that if a man was driving a woman crazy, and you know he didn't explain. I was actually listening to a recording, so um, he didn't explain further. And I don't know if there were any follow-up questions, but he said that she has a right to leave him. 
So if he's just, you know, whatever, either he's lost his mind or he's physically beating her up or whatever, no Muslim must stay in an oppressive situation. Now, there are some madhahib, like the Hanafi madhab, who make it difficult for a woman to seek divorce. But I, I think it's really important for us as Muslims to realize that even though the shayuk, the scholars, are extremely important in our lives, in our faith, we also have to have some uh, we have to be in touch with our fitra to some degree. And if our marriage is making us depressed, if our marriage is making us um, feel unsafe, if we're being beat up, if our children are being abused, to me, and, and what I've heard at least one of my shayukh say, if any of those situations, especially of extreme abuse, are happening, I think it is far more important to leave immediately and then seek out a shayuk than to wait for a shayuk to tell you it's okay to leave an oppressive marriage. You do not have to live with oppression. And some people may say, well, what is what is abuse really? Maybe she's over-exaggerating, maybe this, maybe that. But, I, but to me, it's if your wife gets to a point, and we have to emphasize wife again because it's a lot more straightforward for a man to, to seek a divorce in Islam. If your wife does not want to be with you unequivocally, so she's not saying one day I want to be with you, the next day I want to divorce. She's not back and forth. She's unequivocal for a period of time that she does not want to be with you. What is the benefit of holding on to a marriage like that? And, you know, I there's a space, of course, there's a space where you try to work it out. But if you've tried, you've gone to Shayuk, you've gone to family members, you've talked about it, you've done whatever you felt was both possible and necessary to make the marriage work, are you really telling me that you're just going to trap her into the marriage just because it's more difficult for her to get a divorce, you're just going to trap her into that marriage? For what benefit? For whose benefit? And then I guess every night you're going to force her to sleep with you? What kind of marriage is that? Like, honestly, how low, how lowly of a vision do you have to have for yourself and your own life to think that that's the best you're going to get out of your life? That this is your wife now, and maybe you'll never get another wife. Maybe no one can, maybe you can never be in a marriage, in a relationship where the love is reciprocal. So you're just going to force someone to be with you. That, where is the logic in that? So I, I feel it's very important for women to know that they do not have to suffer in oppression. And yes, you may go to certain shayuk that say, well, that's not really abuse. I don't really think that's abuse. You should stay in your marriage. And for sure, like, I'm at this moment, I'm talking about women who unequivocally know they want a divorce, not women who are wavering. That's a different case. But you are sure you want a divorce. You're not putting up with an abusive marriage anymore. Whatever abuse means to you, because the funny thing is that a shayuk or your husband or whoever on the outside may say, well, that's not abuse. That's not a big deal. But if you're suffering, why should you stay in that marriage? If you are suffering, yes, get all the help that you can before you jump to divorce. But 
why should you suffer? How is that Islamic? How does that that go to the heart of Islam in any way? And even fiqh-wise, I mean, fiqh-wise is a little more defined. So if there is abuse, if there like physical abuse, if there is abuse in terms of financial abuse, you're not being taken care of. Those are all good grounds for divorce. Emotional abuse, I don't know if the fiqh outlines that at all. Um, but someone that actually, that's a good example. So someone may feel like, well, my husband emotionally abuses me. He calls me names. He yells at me. He does all these things. I'm emotionally abused by him. I put up with this for X number of years and I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. You may go to a show you that doesn't feel that that's enough grounds for a divorce, but I really would question why someone would force a woman to stay in a marriage that she is completely done with. We're not talking about a woman who's wavering, a woman who is done with that marriage, who every time she sleeps with her her husband, it's by force, who every time she cooks for her husband, it's by force. She does not want to be in that marriage anymore. Why would a man want to be in a marriage like that? Why would any shayuk want to keep her in a marriage like that? So I, you know, I can't say, um, so that like, I, I cannot say obviously, so just get a divorce or like get a divorce from a secular court or something like, something like that. No, if you're a Muslim and you want to be a practice Muslim, practicing Muslim, you have to get a proper divorce. But I think we have to also be in touch with ourselves. If you're done, you're done why you would make yourself suffer like that, I really don't know. And I don't want to go any farther than that because I don't want anyone to think that I don't care about the Sharia or something like that. But I do really feel like we have to be in touch with our own selves and know that as an overarching theme of our faith, we are not required to suffer in our marriages. So I want to sort of transition to the woman who is not unequivocal. So by putting forth that hadith where um, where Thabit, or I don't want to say his name because obviously the companions are, are better than us, so I'll just say the, the wife's name, uh, where Habiba was struck by her husband and she requested a divorce, not all women are going to react in the same way. So saying that a woman has a right to leave if there is abuse is not me saying that a woman should leave if there is abuse. I, I mean, I don't think she shouldn't leave either. I When there is abuse, it is always going to be on a case-by-case -case basis. Now, if it's extreme violence, then I think that any one of us who knows someone in that situation should, of course, say should. If your husband is threatening to kill you, if he's beating you up it, to the point where it shows or it's disabled you, I mean, I don't think you need a clearer sign than that to leave that kind of marriage. But there are some women who a slap, uh, you know, duking it out, a, a mutual fight with their husband, uh, a punch in the face, a punch in the arm, that they would still want to make it work in that situation. And being someone who studied psychology, I think that uh, when it comes to seeking help, seeking counseling, 
I think that sometimes counselors can do a disservice to women who suffer in domestic violence relationships. And that's because the the basic overview is that you should leave a marriage like that. If you're if there is domestic violence, you should leave. But it doesn't acknowledge just how complicated any relationship is. Domestic violence are not how complicated relationships are and how a woman in that situation one may not necessarily see herself as a victim, but two, that she finds or she feels there are so many reasons to stay within the marriage. So for one, when you're in a relationship where there is domestic uh, violence, that's not the only thing happening in a relationship, in your relationship. Relationships are very complicated. So there may be good days, there may be bad days, there may be most days may be good and then he gets a temper or when you get into arguments then you know it's you know something bad is going to happen but most days may be good or it may be up and down um or he may be kind otherwise and then he just has this issue it could be so many different things but no one is in a relationship that is only defined by domestic violence And I feel that people working with victims of domestic violence have to understand that. This idea, and I remember debating uh, with one of my professors about this, but this idea, this language of the abuser and the victim, while it may be helpful for us, those of us on the outside or those of us um, doing the work or the research or whatever to use those kinds of labels, I don't know that it's actually helpful to the woman in that situation because her being in a relationship where there is violence does not mean that she necessarily sees herself as a victim. And I know that a lot of people um, hate the idea of a woman talking about um, or, or trying to sort of highlight her role in the dysfunction. And I definitely understand why, because no matter what a woman may do, it doesn't make hitting your wife okay. I mean, maybe I won't say no matter what. Like, there there are some very limited situations where physical harm would be appropriate. I remember one of my shoot, just to give this example, we were talking about, you know, the quote-unquote hitting verse which is funnily is one of my favorite verses, not because of the hitting part, but because it clearly spells out the relationship between men and women, both metaphysically and in a marriage, that women are role is on the inside and men are role men their role is on the outside. And it gives a, a perfectly balanced view of not just men and women, I believe, Allahum but masculinity and femininity before it gets to, well, what happens when there are difficulties in your marriage? Um, but the, and, and I will also say that some shayuk, a minority opinion, but some do say, and, and Islamic researchers do say, that that quote-unquote hitting verse where it mentions hitting, that it could also mean separation and that the best, I think the best reason or the best evidence I've seen that it could also mean separation is from the Prophet where he didn't, when his marriages got to that point of difficulty 
and he could have um and and divorce was was a possibility then the prophet said he left and he went and he I can't say went into seclusion, but he didn't visit them for some period of time. I think it was it was either a month or supposed to be a month, something like that. A month or close to a month, something like that. So um, there was one sister, I guess like an Islamic researcher or something, and she said, well, and she mentioned that I thought that was sort of the best evidence I've heard that possibly it doesn't mean hitting, but it means separation. Because we see that when the marriages were at their very limit at that time, because the wives were asking for more material wealth, and the Prophet ﷺ, to put it colloquially, he was not about that life. Didn't matter how much money was coming in, he was not going to buy a big house and live a lavish life. That is not what he was put on earth for. And his wives were, you know, may Allah be pleased with them, but they were tempted by by the world, as we all are many times, and, and worse than them, of course. Um, so what did he do? He didn't hit anyone. He left. And so that was the sort of, uh, what can we say? That seemed to be the last straw for him, and there was no hitting involved. That at that point of separation was when he asked them, and when Allah revealed that verse, and inshallah ta'ala, I'll have all the notes in the, um, in the description, that asked them, do they want to be with the Prophet or do they want to be divorced in kindness? So the very last thing he did before offering them to be divorced in kindness was to leave them. So Allahu alam, but I think that is... Um, good evidence for the possibility of that verse not meaning to hit. So anyway, let me get back to the example that one of my shayu gave of when physical harm might be appropriate. So first and foremost, he said, it's not about disobedience simply against the husband or upsetting the husband. So it's not as if, oh, you always make the coffee too hot or something whack, something like that. No, it's about disobeying uh, Islam, like going against Islam, committing a haram. So he gave the example of a woman who dresses inappropriately and she's always, I don't know if he said going out <laughs> to the club. I don't know if that's what she, what he said, but something like dressing inappropriately. I remember that part and that she's continuously doing that. And they've gone to other people to seek advice, to get help for their marriage as this is disrupting their marriage. And then again, he sees her about to go outside dressed inappropriately and he physically stops her from leaving. That was what, that was the example my shuyu gave. So when we talk about using physical harm, because even whenever that verse is translated in English, it never quite makes sense in terms of our own understanding and usage of the English language because it often says beat lightly. And within our understanding of the English language, that makes no sense. You don't beat someone lightly. Beating, when you talk about beating, it's always harsh. Hitting could possibly be lightly, but then you'd also have to ask, well, why would that be the limit? How could hitting someone lightly, or even someone would say hitting someone with a misdirect, how could that be worse than separating from the bed? So, you know, Allah alam, I'm not... A scholar on these issues, I'm just sharing what, what I've heard um, different Shiyukin researchers discuss. So, 
that's the example he gave about physical harm. And so anyway, I don't know how I got off to that point, but I was making the point about why women stay, yes, and that women, when there's domestic violence, first and foremost, that's not all that's happening in a relationship. And I think anyone dealing with that as a counselor, whether formally or informally, has to understand that. I absolutely, I shouldn't say absolutely, but I, I hate when people act as if women who le- who don't leave an abusive marriage or relationship are just stupid. Because these women are never stupid. I think the idea that a relationship in which there is violence is only violent or that there is only an abuse or to, to put it in terms of abuser and victim just does not understand the nuance of any relationship as even those with domestic violence. So women stay for many reasons. Some may stay, and and probably most women stay for more than one reason, right? So one or a combination of these reasons. Some will stay for the sake of their children. And some people may say, well, it's better to be a single mother than to be in a domestic violence marriage. Um, Maybe, maybe not. Like, for the woman... I would say yes, of course, for in terms of finding a better relationship or taking some space, what do I want to say, taking some space to be alone, um, like, okay, so I don't want to like, for example, if you take the kids out of the picture for a minute, it would be better to me to be alone than to be in an abusive relationship, for the most part, right? Um... So yes, it would be better for the woman. It might even be easier for her to take care of her kids emotionally if she doesn't have um, that abuse happening. At the same time, she's also going to lose financial support. Even if he pays child support, it will child support will almost always be less than what you would have if you were married to that man living in the same household. Um, because a little child support, it's almost like helping out. <laughs> but it's very different than having a man who's the head of household, taking care of the bills and all that. Um, secondly, and also having the emotional support of helping take care of the kids. Even if both people are working, having someone who, when you're working, he can watch the kids. Or when he's working, you're with the kids, whatever it is. Having that emotional support even can still exist within a relationship where there is domestic violence. Um, Another reason women stay could be because of the the relationship with or without kids. So I just said being alone, in my opinion, is almost always better than being in an abusive relationship. But I was very careful to say almost because a lot of women may not feel that that is always the case. If they feel like 90% of the time or 95% of the time the relationship is good, but when we get into these heated arguments, then he may hit me. For some women, they would rather be with that person because they love them, because the relationship is good, because they're getting financial support, emotional support, obviously physical intimacy. They may feel that all of that is still worth being in the relationship than losing all of that, even if it means 
um, not having to suffer from domestic violence anymore. So the atta- the attachment of the heart, and I, I feel like it's so unfortunate that people diminish that because the more you diminish that, the less you'll be able to understand why some women stay in those kinds of relationships. And I, I know that some people also say, well, if he hits you, he doesn't love you. I don't believe that either. I think men who hit their wives, they may still love them, but they either have, they love them and they have an anger problem or they love them, but this is the way that this is what they were taught was a part of love through their, um, through what they were shown through their parents. They love them, but, um, the other person triggers them. You can love someone and treat them badly. Unfortunately, people do it every day. You can love someone and treat them badly because of either the relationship dynamic or because of you, because something is wrong with you and your anger issues. So to tell a woman who knows that she's experiencing love in other ways that her husband doesn't really love her because she because he hits her, I also don't feel is useful. I do not believe you can help anyone if you're not willing to understand them and understand why they're doing what they're doing to some degree, have some kind of empathy and be able to listen. You're not going to help them. Even if all you want at the end of the day is for them to get out of that relationship, I do believe you first have to understand why they're in it in the first place. Um, So the last thing I want to talk about is just community involvement. So if we want women to be able to leave domestic violence um, marriages, there has to be community involvement. I mean, I think the women, Allahu Alam, but I think that the women who are most susceptible to not just being in a domestic violence marriage, I think that could happen to any woman, but the women who stay are probably, again, Allahu Alam, but are probably women who don't have familial or communal support. Um, similar to a lot of women who are converts and they get with like the lowest of men, sadly, it's, it's not even funny, but sadly get with almost the lowest of men that no one wanted in our community and they have no support, they have no one to tell them what their rights are and they're being treated poorly. I think it's a similar kind of thing with women in general who get involved in Again, not just get involved, but stay in domestic violence. Um, Marriage is because of a lack of familial or community support. I remember someone telling me, um, and this was a person of a particular traditional culture, so, um, but they were telling me that their mother had told their daughter, basically, like, if, if like your husband hits you or something like that, don't come crying back to me because essentially she would always try and teach the daughter different sort of feminine household skills where the daughter was focused on education and her husband, the girl's father, also supported her in her educational pursuits. So her mother said something like like that, like don't ever come crying back to this house if you get hit because I tried to teach you whatever, all these things that basically would make you a good wife. And even though that's a, a more, that person was coming from a more traditional culture, 
the essence of that can still happen to or it's, it's possible anywhere, which is that if you don't have a home to go back to, it's going to be a lot harder to leave an abusive marriage. If your parents are very anti-divorce, or if your parents are very adamant for you to be independent or to be married by a certain age, or a number of other, other things that would lead you to believe that you're not so welcome to come back home anytime. Um, I think that can make it very difficult to leave a marriage with domestic violence. If you don't feel like you can come back home, then you won't leave. You have to have somewhere to go to leave. And I believe it's about one out of five. I've written about this before on the blog. But something about one out of five women after divorce live in poverty. So clearly in America, that's a real issue that a significant amount of women, that's about 20%, are going to suffer financially after they get a divorce. And it's funny because we always hear the stories about the women who get these huge, um, what do they call it? SubhanAllah. I'm going to forget the name of it, but the the money that the men end up paying after divorce sometimes, and their wife will get this huge amount of money every month. Um, I wish I could remember the name for it. Something like that. I, I forget the name of it. But um, we always hear about those cases, but we very rarely hear the cases that I'm more familiar with of women who get divorced and get nothing or get very little child support every month. Some women are getting a few dollars, less than a hundred dollars a month for child support. Because if you're not if, if you're not dealing with a wealthy man, chances are you're not going to get a lot of money from child support. Um, so if you don't have a place to go to, or or even more so go back to, because to go to that's even less likely. There aren't. A lot of women's shelters and who really wants to stay in a woman's shelter so if you don't feel like you can go back it's going to be very difficult to leave an abusive marriage so that's something that parents can make sure that their children know that their daughters know that if their husband is abusive or even if they just are having a lot of issues or whatever it is it's okay to come back whether for a period of time or permanently that your daughter should not feel unwelcome to leave their marriage if they're experiencing domestic violence. Um, also, to know that your children will be t will be taken care of. So I think this was in Fascinating Womanhood. I don't completely remember, but that if you're experiencing domestic violence, then one of the best things you could do from the beginning if you're not sure if you're going to leave or not or you want to work on the marriage is to take your children out of that household and to leave them with a grandmother, you know, an uncle, an aunt, whoever that can take care of them for a period of time while you attempt to work on your marriage. So if there was domestic violence and or is domestic violence but you want to work on it, the first step is still to take your children out of that situation. Um, she might have also said to leave completely, and then if the man says he's going to change or whatever, to come back but leave your children elsewhere and try to work on the marriage. Um, but that also involves community involvement. 
if a woman doesn't feel like there's somewhere safe that she can keep her children or people who can help her with her children if she needs to, that's also going to make it difficult for her to leave a domestic violent um, marriage. So the last thing I'll say is that, of course, in our communities in general, as Muslims, we really need to evolve our thinking. And the funny thing is that it has nothing to do with Islam being inherently anti-woman or misogynistic. It isn't. But it has to do with what we highlight in the religion and what we don't highlight. So everyone knows the verse about um, quote-unquote hitting your wife, if that's really what is meant. Again, I already mentioned to you the scholars who question if that is actually what's meant. And let me also say, um, I gave the example from one of my shayuk that, that I hope clarified when physical force would even be appropriate. But let me also say that it is very detailed in the thick when that would even be a possibility. Again, it's not about the food tastes like crap, so I'm going to beat my wife up. Like, honestly, there isn't any beating your wife up in Islam. Like, there, people almost find it strange to say there's no support for domestic violence in Islam because we have, we've so highlighted this quote-unquote hitting verse. But the reality is that there really isn't. You can't hit anyone to leave a mark on their face, to leave them bruised, bleeding. So, if anything as I gave that example that my shayuk gave, it should really, instead of beat lightly, which doesn't even logically make any sense, it should really say physical force or something like that because that's more nuanced and then would lead someone who reads that verse to go and read the fic and really know, really make sure they understand what's being said because beating has a very clear connotation in our culture. Beating is domestic violence. But if it were to say physical force, then someone would instinctively think, okay, hmm, what is physical force? What does that mean? And go to the fake. Beating, you think you know what it means, and that's why people actually believe that they can use that verse to support domestic violence. I mean, there was a case I had um, a while back with a woman who was in a domestic violence, a marriage with domestic violence, and her husband was beating her up, punching, kicking, the whole nine, beating her up and trying to use that verse to support his behavior. So we really have to be so careful in how we translate certain things for a particular culture, right? Because English or language in general, is about what people understand it to mean. It's not just about what it literally means. Even still, I think beating would be inappropriate. But it's also about what we understand it to mean, how we use the language. When you call someone a wife beater, (laughs) you know, you don't mean someone who lightly hits their wife or someone who uses physical force because it was absolutely necessary. You mean someone who beats up his wife. So we we really need to reconsider how we um, use the language and how we translate certain things and make sure that our audience understands us to be saying exactly what Islam means 
and not what is already within the culture that they would relate it to and then actually go against Islam. There is no support for domestic violence within Islam and we really need to wake up to that reality. It's really scary to hear women ask a scholar, can I leave my husband if he's beating me up? That's really scary that any woman within our faith would think that there's grounds for her to stay in a marriage where she's being abused and suffering. That's really scary. That should not be a thought in any of our minds. And I'll end with this. Um, Imam Zaid, he mentioned well, my sister, Fatima, who went to the Tuna College, she told me that Imam Zaid said, um, if a man is acting like a kafir, treat him like one. And he was referring to the, the same thing, of, I believe, of domestic violence, where someone is beating you up, but you don't want to call the cops on them because you don't want to go to a kafir system and you want to deal with it in the Islamic way. You want to go to the shit. No, if someone is acting like a kafir, treat them like one. So, and again, I'm not, I think that any relationship is very nuanced. And really the woman who is being abused, she has to really consider what it is that she's along. Of course, the man that's abusing is, is completely wrong. And he also needs help. I don't want to make this conversation, this podcast too long, but that's a part of the conversation that's missing is that men like that need help. A man who loves a woman but beats her up or emotionally abuses her needs help. That's someone who needs help because most of us, or I'd say any of us, when we set out to love someone, when we love someone, we don't want to hurt them. But if we end up hurting them, Something went wrong. So we need to figure out what went wrong and change it. So inshallah ta'ala, I hope that this um, episode was of benefit. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Inshallah ta'ala, we hope to be more regular from this point now on. So it'll be um, available usually Sunday, somewhere around 12, inshallah ta'ala. Next week, we will be talking about Um, intimacy as a right. I've t- I may change the title, but I've titled it this far, A Husband's Right to Intimacy. So this is actually another kind of be- abuse that can happen in marriage from the woman's part of denying intimacy. So inshallah, we will talk about that. Thank you for listening and take care.